Amen. Luke chapter 24, starting with verse number 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. Hallelujah. Somebody say, He is not here. Come on and elbow your neighbor and just gently remind them today, he is not here. Hallelujah. The scripture tells us he is not here but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. He must be crucified and on the third day he would rise. And they then remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed, these words seemed to them as idle, an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Would you bow your heads? We're just going to ask God to enlighten his word to our hearts. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your presence in this room already. And as we celebrate you, we just ask God that you would fill our hearts with your love. Fill us, God, with peace. Fill us with faith. We're asking especially today that you would fill us with hope. The hope that there is life after this life on earth. Hope that there is something better than what we might be going through right now. The hope of your love. We give you praise. We give you thanks as we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's nice to see Elder Kalu and Miss Salome all the way back from Nigeria. Amen. God bless you. They are our family, but they live in Nigeria about half the year and here about half the year. I don't know exactly what the, the ratio is. I think they're more here to, than there anymore, but we love, we love the Kalu family so much, and we're grateful that the Lord has brought you back. Amen. It's also good to have Pastor Dave, uh, Dave Luke, Pastor Dave's parents are here, Gary and Connie, would you stand and let us just greet you this morning and welcome you. God bless. Thomas Jefferson, perhaps you've heard of him, what a great man. He did so much for our country, especially in the early stages of formation of the United States of America. Thomas Jefferson, this great man, he wrote the Declaration of Independence. He served as the third president of the United States. And I found out he actually loved the Bible, as did many of our founding fathers. 
our United States of America was actually built on the book that I hold in my hand. Did you know that? And they would go to the Word of God for counsel, for wisdom, for direction. And if it was contrary to the Word of God, then it was contrary to what decisions they would make. Oh, God, move on our leaders today and remind them of our founding fathers. Thomas Jefferson loved the Word of God, but he did have an issue with parts, parts of the Bible. Thomas Jefferson struggled to accept all miraculous elements in Scripture. Do you know what he did? Thomas Jefferson, you can Google this later, all right? I'm just telling you, it's, it's powerful. He took a razor and glue, and he cut and pasted his Bible, taking out all elements of the supernatural. Thomas Jefferson's edited version of the Bible only had the moral teachings of Jesus, and all references to the supernatural were deleted. I want you to listen carefully. Here are the closing words to, John, uh, to Thomas Jefferson's New Testament Bible. There laid they Jesus and rolled a great stone at the mouth of the sepulcher and departed. We have rolled away the stone on our version of the tomb. This is just to remind you of, of a day gone by. But we dare not leave the stone over the mouth because the stone didn't stay over the mouth. The Bible tells us that the stone was rolled away. Thomas Jefferson left the stone over the mouth of the tomb. Thomas Jefferson left Jesus dead. Thomas Jefferson left Jesus with no hope. Thomas Jefferson left us with no hope. But that's really not how the Bible goes, is it? We're not to take a razor and glue to the Word of God. We're just to accept the Word of God, even though we may not fully understand all of the Word of God. Help me, somebody. Thanks be to God, that's not really how the story ends. The ground began to shake. The stone was rolled away. The body of Jesus was gone. Why? Because he is not here. He is risen just as he said. Hallelujah. And today is Easter Sunday. This is the day that we celebrate our risen Lord. The day we celebrate his triumph over death, hell, and the grave. Today we celebrate hope. Today I want us to look at what I have entitled the hope of Easter. The hope of Easter. It all began... When hope was revealed, Jesus Christ was born in a little town called Bethlehem. And when Christ was born, hope was born. The light of the world has come. The hope 
for all mankind has finally arrived. The hope generations had been waiting for had finally come. The hope that had been prophesied, that they had heard preached, that they had heard taught in the synagogue, that perhaps they read for themselves. The hope was now fulfilled. When God sent his son to be born in Bethlehem, he sent hope. And the moment that Jesus was born, the father's plan was revealed. Don't you love the father's plan? You may not always like the father's plan for your life day to day, but if you wait long enough, you probably can look back and say, thank God that he was in charge and I wasn't in charge. Sometimes we just have to let go, right? Let go and just trust God. God has a plan. He's always had a plan. God's plan in the very beginning was that Adam and Eve, could he could walk with them and they would walk with, with him. They, they would talk to one another. And of course, it didn't take long for Adam and Eve to take matters into their own hands. And the plan, that perfect plan that God had was broken. God had a plan to rectify man's sinful way. And he decided he was going to make it rain and rain and rain. The Bible says that for 40 days and 40 nights it rained. God, we take a little bit of that right now here in Southern California. I'm just saying. I don't want to have to monitor my sprinkler. But I will. Now I will. Okay. Can you imagine 40 days, 40 nights, nonstop rain? Why? Because God had a plan. God wanted to get sinful man back on track with him. He actually revealed his plan to one person. The man's name was Noah. And he told Noah what he wanted him to do. He said, I want you to build a boat, an, an ark. He was to bring in all of the animals, one female, one male of every species. You know the Sunday school story well, I'm sure. And he said, and I want you to bring with you all that will listen. And all that would listen was Noah, his wife, and his immediate family. Everybody else thought he was crazy because he was listening to God's plan and he wasn't listening to man's plan. God has a plan. It may not make sense to everyone, but we are simply to trust God's plan. Here, when Christ is born, it is again God's plan to rescue mankind. God made a vow that he wasn't going to flood the earth again, and I'm thankful. Every time you see a rainbow in the sky, you should just take time to say, thank you, God, that we're not going to die by flood. Because he made a promise, and he painted a rainbow in the sky to remind us of man's waywardness and God's plan to redeem us. So here he comes up with another plan. He devises another plan. I know I'll send my own flesh and blood. I'll send my only son. 
And when Christ was born, hope was born. When Christ was revealed in Bethlehem, hope was revealed. But not everybody got it, did they? After all, it's just a baby. Isn't that just the carpenter's son? But as Jesus grew, let me tell you something. Hope grew. And with every miracle that Jesus performed, people began to realize Jesus as the Messiah. Hope was realized. Jesus is the hope that we have been needing. He just might be the king after all. They realized he's more than a teacher. They realized he's more than some carpenter or some carpenter's son. They realized that he's more than some religious leader. Hallelujah. There was a recognition and a realization that Jesus wasn't really like everybody else. I, I believe a light bulb began to come on, a, a spiritual light bulb. I, I called them miracle aha moments. Every blind eye that he made to see, perhaps somebody said, aha. Every deaf ear that he opened, somebody else said, aha. Leprosy was healed and some more people said, the lame began to walk. 5,000 people are fed with a boy's sack lunch. Water turned to wine. And Lazarus getting up from the grave and walking again. Hallelujah. This isn't just anybody. This is the Messiah. You are the son of David. You are the king who comes in the name of the Lord. You are the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. You are the son of God. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You, Jesus, are the hope for the world. Don't you love when you realize there's going to be aha moments happen here just in a few minutes. There's going to be that spiritual light bulb, hallelujah, that comes on for somebody. You're going to recognize and realize you need not wander anymore. You need not run anymore. You can just relax in your belief that there is a God and there is hope for you. Hope is revealed. Hope is realized. Then what happens? Hope is removed. Are you kidding me? Really? You said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I left my net for this. I gave up my livelihood for this. Now, Peter and a handful of others could easily go back to their profession. Peter was a fisherman. He could go get, get some more nets. He could get another boat. I don't know that he ever got rid of his boat or his nets. You know what I mean. But Matthew, how about Matthew? Matthew is another one of the 12 disciples. Matthew was a tax collector. And when Jesus told Matthew to come and follow him, I'm telling you, it closed a door that he could not go back and open. Imagine Matthew saying, now what am I going to do? You see, the hope that was revealed, the hope that was recognized and realized and began to grow, all at once, 
it's gone. It's taken away. Just when they thought the king had come and their hope was here, hope was removed. Jesus was crucified. He was tried in a kangaroo court, mocked and ridiculed. He was beaten beyond recognition. A crown of thorns on his brow, nails in his hands and in his feet, spat upon, cursed, beard pulled from his face. There he is, hanging on the cross for all mankind. Hanging on the cross for you, for me. I want you to think about that today. Jesus was crucified and he suffered like very few humans have ever suffered and will ever suffer. And he did it for you and he did it for me. He did it for the sins of the world. And he began to slowly die. He didn't just die at once. They didn't just cut off his head. Some of the disciples later, they were martyred. They were just killed. No, Jesus, he was taken to the brink of death more than once. And then they pulled him back. See how that, that's how cruel they were. They, they knew exactly how far they could take a body and then they would die. Historians tell us that 40 lashes would kill a man. So what did they give Jesus? They gave him 39. One more would have been, that would have been it. They gave him 39 and let him kind of recoup slightly so he could start that dying process all over again. There he is on the cross. I want you to see it in your mind's eye today. I don't know what that looks like for you, but please go there. Please imagine that today. You must see that today. He's hanging, and he's dying. There's nails in his hands. There's nails in his feet. By the way, that sacrifice was sufficient. What I'm saying is, you don't have to be nailed to a cross. Not literally. I read an article Friday morning. It really disturbed me. There was a festival going on in the Philippines and thousands would gather to watch this spectacle where several people were literally nailed to crosses. They sterilized their hands, sterilized the nails, and they nailed their feet and their hands to a cross. Why? Jesus did that. I don't have to do that. Not physically, not literally. Spiritually, however, I need to get up on the cross every day. Come on, somebody. The Apostle Paul said, I have to die every day. How much more do we need to 
crucify our flesh. I want you to see Jesus on the cross in your mind's eye. I want you, even now, just close your eyes for a moment, and I want you to see that picture of the great sacrifice of Christ. He's being crucified. He's already been beaten, and now there he, there he hangs to die eventually. And he hangs there for three hours. The Bible tells us he's just hanging and dying, bleeding out for three hours. And then he died. Luke 23 tells us it was now about the sixth hour. And there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, for three hours. There he is hanging and dying. While the sun's light failed and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said this, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said these words, he breathed his last. He died. Now I want you to look at me. In that moment, when Jesus died, hope died. Don't rush to the tomb yet. Don't get ahead of me. Stay here for a moment. I want you to imagine for a moment, what if there was no empty tomb? Just because we know the end of the story, think for a moment. Jesus died. The hope of mankind, our Redeemer, the one who's going to get us out of here and, and help us and turn things around, he died. And hope died. The disciples' dreams died. Their hope was removed. Without hope, despair comes. Without hope, fear comes. Worry comes. Selfishness comes. Without hope, evil comes. The hope of man is now gone. Dead. But thankfully, it was only temporary. Jesus was laid in a borrowed tomb, and there he stayed for three days, the scripture tells us. He died, but he didn't stay dead. Hallelujah. Matthew 28, 1 says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone, hallelujah, and sat on it. I like this. He could have just rolled back the stone and stood politely on the end, but he got up on the top of it. Dr dramatic, wasn't it? He sat on top of the stone. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow, and for fear of him, the guards tremble and fell like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he was risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and with great 
joy, and they ran to tell the disciples, hallelujah, he is not here, he is risen, just as he said when Jesus died, hope died. But as Jesus was revived, guess what? Hope also was revived. Hallelujah. When Jesus rose from the dead, hope rose from the dead. When Jesus' body was revitalized, hope was revitalized. And hope revived means this. Sorrow is turned into joy. When you know Christ, and when you decide to believe, there's a joy that comes no matter what you face. You can have some of the worst news that you've ever had. But yet, there's still a smile on your face. People think we're strange, don't they? Why don't we just go ahead and confirm their fears, their thoughts, right? I have hope. The doctor really doesn't get the last word, does he? No. Not even if we die here, because, and the doctor said we were going to die here. That's still not the last word. That's just temporary. We can have hope, and hope transforms our sorrow. We don't sorrow as those with no hope, 1 Thessalonians 4. We don't sorrow as those with no hope. We still sorrow, but God has a way of breathing into the hope and turning and transforming the sorrow into joy. Sorrow revived not only means, uh, hope revived not only means sorrow is transformed into joy. Hope revived means fear is transformed into faith. Fear turns into faith. Now you have no say if fear comes. Fear comes upon all of us. We, we, many people fear dying. Uh, you fear, how are you going to live at the end of your life if you, didn't, if you didn't put back money and you have no retirement? We fear a lot of things, mankind, human beings. You can't really control when fear comes and tries to attach itself to you, but you do have this ability. You can tell fear it must leave because God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of love, of power, and a sound mind. When fear comes, let it remind you that God has given you hope. There's hope. There's always hope for the believer because hope was revived. And it's still here today. I'm going to close with this. Hope remains. Jesus rose from the dead, and he was seen alive by over 500 witnesses, the Bible tells us. He ascended to the Father, where he lives to make intercession for us. Hebrews 7.25 says, he always lives to make intercession. I just want to take these three words, he always lives. In other words... He's alive still today. He died once for all the sins of mankind. And he rose to live forever. 
And he's still alive today. Which tells me that hope is alive today. If Jesus is still alive today, then hope is alive today. Hope remains. Have you ever known anyone to be hopeless? Maybe you've been there. How many would just say, yeah, I've been there a time or two. I've been to where it just seems hopeless. But here you are today. I guess it wasn't hopeless, was it? You're a living testimony that it wasn't hopeless. Sometimes we don't even think there is any hope. But it's just a little seed. I do marital counseling from time to time. That's one of the first things I ask. Do you, do you think there's any hope for you to stay together? If, it, if it's a bad, bad situation. Well, yeah, I, I see a little hope. All, all we need is a little hope. All God needs is a little hope. And he just, he just breathes into that seed of hope. There are two levels of hope. There's hope right here. There's hope today earthly hope. There's hope that God can save a rascal like me. I may not look like it this morning, but I'm just telling you at one point. Come on, somebody. <laughs> right? There's hope that he is the Savior of the world because he rose. That's what sets our God apart. Muhammad just died and he stayed dead, right? Buddha just died and he stayed dead. But Jesus Christ died and the reason he borrowed a tomb, the reason they borrowed a tomb, they weren't going to need it very long. Hallelujah. He was only dead three days. I just need this for three days. He got up out of the grave. That means there's hope that we don't have to stay sick. I'm talking about earthly hope right now. We have hope that our marriages can be salvaged. Our children who are wayward and wandering, they will come back home. There's hope. But the hope is so much bigger for those who've decided to believe. There's eternal hope. eternal hope, everlasting life. I believe, and many in this room have decided to believe that death here is really not the end. We don't just become maggot food. We die. And the Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be what? be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We believe that there is a place called heaven 
Where there's no sickness, Dan. My God. Mm. You'll never need a cane again in your whole life. Your whole everlasting life. You will never, you will never walk bent over. Imagine you'll be, you'll be erect, taller than you've ever been in, the, in, in so many years now. Now, we're going to still pray for Dan for healing. I mean, we pray for the, the sick here. That's the earthly hope, right? A place where there's no sorrow, there's no tears, no temptation. I'm ready for that. Anybody else just wore out with being tempted every day? You all are tempted every day, right? It's not just me, right? Uh, Harry, I'm ready. We're going to go to heaven. I'm talking about living forever. No temptation, no sickness. That's awesome. How many want to go to heaven? Oh, we got some people. We had to open the balcony today. I like that. Sorry, I haven't been looking up there. I'm not used to people being in the balcony. Hello. You want to go to heaven? <laughs> Do you know how to get there? Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to die. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Not everybody knows how to get there. You see, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father unless he come by me. There's only one doorway, and it is through Christ. There are not multiple paths that will get you to heaven. I don't care what Oprah thinks. I need to be good right here and just let you go here in a minute. Mm. One way. We have to decide to believe in that one way. I want you to bow your heads today. If you're here and you want to make a decision to believe in Christ, asking Him to forgive you of your sin, asking Him to come into your life and to be your Lord. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand just before we leave. You're here today and you want to accept Christ. Amen. Who else? Come on, just, this is your day. This is your day. The day of hope. Amen. I see hands going up. Come on, lift your hand. Accept the gift of everlasting life. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Once you lift your hand, you can put it right back down. He is our hope. He is your hope. Hallelujah. The hope of everlasting life. I want everybody to stand. Pastor Moses is going to lead us in this chorus. And then we are all going to pray a prayer of dedication to the Lord. On this Easter Sunday, lead us, Pastor Moses. Our Father, I believe in Christ the Son. We believe. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection. I believe. That we will rise again. 
want you to pray this prayer after me, Almighty God. I thank you for today. I thank you for the hope that you are given. I realize that I need hope. I realize I need help. And I accept your help. I accept your hope. Today I accept Christ. Jesus, come into my life. I ask that today you would forgive me of all of my wrongs, all of my mistakes. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe that you are God's son. I believe that you are the king of kings. I believe that you are the Lord of lords. And today, I confess you as my Lord and as my king and as my savior. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! I believe. Come on, lift your voice. I believe. I believe you rose again. I believe it, yeah. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. Come on, sing it one more time. I believe. out here. Appreciate you, brother. Let's pray God's blessing on us today as we leave this place. Father God, we come before you right now, Lord. We thank you for the spiritual food provided today, Lord. We thank you for all who made it here today, Lord. We thank you for those that didn't even make it that may be watching the televised version, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We ask, Lord, Father, we declare your blood over every person here today, Lord. We ask that you would continue to watch over us, Lord, that you would protect us even in our sleep, Lord. And we ask you today as we lead out of here, Lord, that we would keep you in our remembrance, Lord, and that we remain being a reflection of you, Christ. And we ask you, God, that you would just keep us filled with your spirit and the spirit of worship all throughout the week, Lord, until we meet again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed.
Flowers are for sale. If you would like to purchase a flower, please make your way to the front. Thank you.